Welcome to Season 2 of the Predator Podcast. Here on the Predator Podcast, we will talk about all things predator hunting. If you're a predator hunter or wanting to become one, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Drew, and on this podcast, we will talk with fellow predator hunters all over the United States about the tips and tactics they use to put more fur in the truck. I'd like to give a special shout out to my partner for the Predator Podcast, Dark Knight Outdoors. If you're in the market for a thermal optic or accessory, uh, look no farther than Dark Knight Outdoors. Jamie is second to none. I got a chance to meet him, sit down with him, and he's a great guy, and customer service is off the charts. I would highly recommend it. Uh, If you look at my description below, you will see there's a couple of discount codes there. You can use the code PREDATORPODCAST23. That'll save you $50 on a thermal optic, and there's also a, a code there for accessories. Check out the link in my description below, and check out Dark Knight Outdoors for your next thermal optic purchase. Season 2, Predator Podcast. I have a special guest on today, Andrew Luand. He is uh, from New York, and he's been at this game for a long time. And he's written several books about coyote hunting, fox hunting, uh, I mean, different day calling, night calling, different different strategies. He's got uh, some YouTube videos out there. Uh, he's just a wealth of knowledge. And I'm pretty excited to have him on today. He uh, has a, some different experiences and knowledge base that I'm interested to pick at. So uh, thanks for joining me today, Andrew. Oh, my pleasure. This will be great. So I'm going to let Andrew uh, give a little bit of his background, tell us how long he's been coyote hunting and predator hunting, because he does do a lot of fox hunting, which we were just kind of catching up on a little bit before we started here. And uh, it's super cool. So I just want to let him give us a rundown who he is, kind of his background and what got him to uh, where he's at today. Okay. Well, my experience with predators and coyotes actually started in the early 80s. Uh, up until that point, the coyotes here in New York State, and by the way, I'm from what you would call Western New York State out by Rochester. Uh, they were un- unheard of. You know, we always had some red fox around, but the coyotes never really heard about them. And I was actually a student at SUNY Cobleskill getting my degree in fish and wildlife. And I had the uh, boring task of watching a coyote den one time. Now, this is before trail cameras and all that. So the students got to sit and watch. Well, I had a bad shift, time shift today or whatever. I didn't see anything till one day I saw a coyote. And I'm assuming it was a male brought some sort of rodent back to the den. And that sort of piqued my interest in coyotes. Uh, fast forward another year forward. It was a uh, summer. I think it was 1985. I was woodchuck hunting with my dad because that's what we did back then. And we're sitting there in the morning and all of a sudden some coyote just came trotting down the middle of this field. And dad looks up at it and says, that's a coyote. I'm like, oh, this is great. And he turned in and went by. We didn't shoot at it. And dad says, you know, you can call those in. So we went down to the local sporting goods store in Oswego and bought a mouth call. I think it was a Loman. Went back that evening. I'm blown on this call. Now, I had no idea about cadence or duration or anything. I'm just blowing on it. And here comes a coyote right to us. The problem was it was a pup and it was tiny. It was like the size of a cat. We looked at each other and said, well, we can't shoot that. And we didn't, but that sparked my infatuation uh, and respect and love of coyotes after all these years. That's awesome. So 
what brought you into so i kind of mentioned before that andrews wrote some books so where did that journey take you like at this point you knew you were hooked and then what made you take it to you know to writing books and to the research and things that you you ended up doing well sure that was pretty neat stepping stones as well so we're in 1985 now i'm just hunting and i'm hunting in new york and i'm going to south dakota and colorado hunting these coyotes and having a great time and in about 1990 I started the Bark at the Moon Coyote Club. Now, mind you, this is before Facebook and Instagram and all that. So message boards were just starting to come about. We had Predator Masters. I started Bark at the Moon. It was pretty neat because it was obviously centered in New York, but it sort of spread. But we would have like social gatherings and parties preseason and all that. It was like it was a neat thing. And one day I was I don't know where I found it, but some gentleman had written a book about fox hunting and I ordered it and it was neat. And I said to myself, I can do this. I've written some articles for like the Environment Hunters Association. Um, and then I got hooked up with Predator Extreme Magazine from the late great Ed Park, got me involved. I need, did a neat article about shooting at night. Uh, again, night, night hunting was just on the forefront at that point. Uh, just in its beginning. So I wrote a neat article and it took off from there. So I've been writing for Predator Extreme since the early 2000s. Uh, the Bark at the Moon is still going. Of course, now everything's on you know, social media. And and then from my right. first books, I, I've got, like, I don't know, 11 or 12 books on predator hunting and they're they're well-received. Uh, I thank everybody for the kind words and feedback on those books. They're fun to do. Um, and it's, it's just been awesome. It's been a great ride. I got hooked up with Fox Pro on their field staff, which is something I'm very proud of. Uh, working with those guys has been awesome. So I've just, Predator hunting has been good to me. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Just to give you guys uh, some insight of what his books are that he's talking about. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but some of the ones that I've seen are the Predator Hunters Playbook, Calling the Day Shift, uh, Eastern Coyote Challenge, Bring on the Night, which is obviously about night hunting, uh, Eastern Coyote Hunting, um, the Calling, the Coyote Calling, Advanced Concepts Tactics, um, and then you have the Red Fox book, the Predator Hunters Toolbook. I mean, there's there's uh, a bunch of good books there. And one of the things that I um, was intrigued by when I was looking at Andrew's books was when the way he talks about the ecology and just the nature of the coyote. So I'd like to pick his brain a little bit on this because I've always wanted to get like a biologist or somebody on here. And uh, Andrew's knowledge base sounds like something that I need to pick at. So how did what what made you so obviously if you had a degree in wildlife and is that what you said yep fish and wildlife degree. technology yep, fish and yep. wildlife. right so it, did you get most of your background education on coyotes like ecology and behaviors in college or is that something that you branded off into after yeah absolutely it was after um it, i just took off and wanted to learn as much as i could about the coyotes and fox. I always say, and it's funny you mention that about the books, uh, that Eastern Coyote Challenge, as the name implies, deals with Eastern Coyotes. And then the Red Fox Focus, I always tell people, it's worth the price of the book for the first chapter for the biology and ecology. 
because it's condensed. It's yeah. useful information. And it's, I always tell people when I do seminars, you know, back in the day, they sort of trailed off here lately, but we as hunters should know as much about whatever, whether it's turkey, deer, coyote, whatever you're hunting, know as much about their biology and their ecology as you can, because that is going to help you become a better hunter. It goes along right with woodsmanship. Same yeah. thing. Knowing about those animals, knowing what they're doing on a uh, weekly or a monthly basis, what's going on in their life cycle, all that sort of stuff will help you become a better caller and hunter. Uh, obviously, my hunting's yeah. hawk. Yeah. And I just Absolutely. studied. Oh. I'm sorry. To answer your question, I just studied, got research papers. I talked to professors about, you know, if I ever had questions about coyotes, I would had, I reached out to the professors at some well-known universities and, and sought the information I needed. I'd like to take a quick second to talk to you guys about Dark Knight Outdoors. As you guys know, Dark Knight Outdoors is partnering with me this year for the podcast, and I couldn't be luckier to have them join me. Just a couple of the things that drew me to Dark Knight Outdoors, uh, they will match match pricing. They don't have any sales tax outside of Illinois and quick and free shipping, no credit card fees, and you get a free external battery pack with a quality mount to come with your purchase. And not to mention if you use code predator podcast 23 at checkout on a thermal optic, you're going to save $50. So you're basically going to be able to price match. Uh, to the best price you are able to find and then save $50 uh, on top of that. Also, if you're in the market for his accessories, uh, he Jamie has so many different accessories down there, Dark Knight Outdoors. You can also use the code PPACC23. So that's PPACC23 to save 25% off all accessories. So Go down to the show description and look at Dark Knight Outdoors website and you'll not be disappointed. What is there anything that jumps out at you that was like, wow, like I can't believe um coyotes do this or or act this way that that you learned that you maybe were totally surprised by? Oh, tons. I'm sure there's several but is there anything that jumps out at you? yeah many 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 uh the whole bit about it's uh important for for hunters whether it's day or night how how you move it's one thing to call in a coyote okay in fox but let's say coyote it's one thing to call it in it's another thing to call it in and successfully shoot it and what happens is a lot of times in that last hundred yards or as i call it the moment of truth Hunters can botch it. And I botched it all the time back in the day until I figured this out. Uh, coyotes, they they have great vision. We all hear about their great vision. But at distances, they don't see well and they don't focus. But they still have a crazy ability to detect motion. So if you were hunting, just picture this, if you will. You're looking straight ahead at your call and a coyote comes off to your left when you're on stand. Day or night, doesn't matter. Many guys will take their rifle and quickly jerk it over in that direction to get prepared for the shot. Well, a coyote is more than likely going to pick off that motion, stop in his tracks, and perhaps head the other way. Uh, a better practice, because we know that they can't see clearly, is to move slowly as you transition your rifle, because you'll be less likely to be picked off. As soon as I figured that out, my shot percentage went right up. 
So that's just one little tip to answer your question. Interesting. That's a good one. Uh, some of the things that I hear commonly, um, I think there's a lot of mis- misinformation or, or at least, at least just false uh, thoughts that people have about breeding season too. Right. Um, I kind of like to touch on that a little bit. Uh, what, so what is the, let's, let's just go through, like, let's kind of walk people through the cycle of, uh, like a coyote's year in when, it, in terms of breeding. Sure. Sure. Well, let's start with the, mag- this is going to sound crazy. The magical date for coyote breeding season. Now we used to read down South that happened earlier versus up North or whatever, but now the consensus is leaning towards the magical peak coyote rut. If you want to compare it to a, a deer whitetail rut, the coyote rut meet, uh, prime date is ready, February 14th. Easy to remember, Valentine's Day. That, generally speaking, is peak rut for coyotes you know, across the USA. Okay? So, yep. that's when they're mating. Now, here, so if you want to apply human logic to your calling, which is another caveat, you might want to use that. That's their breeding season. So breeding sounds, human logic would tell you to use those sounds at that period of time. Okay. And there's a plethora of sounds. Now the sound libraries have grown so greatly in the last two years. Um, So during February, now don't forget now that leading up to that in January, you can go ahead and start this too. But the funny part is in October, I was using fight sounds from breeding females with great success. So human logic says don't do that. But don't forget, these coyotes are working all animals, work on instinct. They don't work on logic. They hear something and they respond for whatever reason. So that's important for people to realize too. It's, you know, it's you can think about it logically, or you can think about it from the instinct. A coyote or fox or any predator yep. hears something and wants to react. I'm using that MFK girl fight year round. And that's a breeding sound. It's a yeah. breeding fight. And it's magical. It's so, but it depends how you look at things. If you're in a slump, change it up. Yeah. So getting back to your original question there. So these coyotes, obviously, well, breeding season is February. Okay. 63 days later, these, their coyotes are born. They're in the, in the ground leading up to that part like in march male coyotes are roaming the area keeping other animals away from the den so fight sounds are good to use right then again those male the females are in the den obviously but the males are survey patrolling their area if you will keeping away intruders now when the pups are born so in may they're popping out um i don't know a whole lot of people are trying to kill pups unless it's some livestock issue but later on in the summer uh pup distress sounds are very effective coyote vocalizations okay uh and you're getting younger coyotes and adult coyotes will come in that's all summer through september and then in the fall of course now these families are still together okay they don't quite disperse you know earlier readings would tell you oh in the fall they they'll disperse and find a new area well these coyotes are staying together they may not be all lumped right together, you know, shoulder to shoulder. They do rendezvous and get out to 
you know, investigate the area, but they come back together. So they totally haven't uh, gone their own separate ways all through the fall. And that really leads up to the winter time. It's not uncommon now. You can still bring in like four or five coyotes together if you get lucky. Even now we're in what? This is November. Yep. It's just now. So they're still together. We called in, I think, three of them, three or four the other night together still. So you just, you, you never know. But in theory, they're starting to break up. And certainly once you get into January, they're going to pair up for the mating purpose. And just like that, we just talked about 12 months. Yeah, absolutely. So question that I have is, so when people are calling in multiples here in the, you know, October, November, December, those are, you're saying those are oftentimes more um, family groups. It's a family. Yeah, sure. That would be a fa uh, family unit. It could be, well, you got your alpha pair, male and female. It could be a couple leftovers from the year before, some subordinate females. And then of course, more logically, it's probably the young of the year still with them hanging out. I called in three pups. I right. called them uh, there's still 26 pounds a couple weeks ago that yep. were together. So yeah. Right. So the alpha male, alpha female, they're together. They still have their pups with them maybe. And then you're saying that basically come like December time is when, you know, roughly, obviously things are different everywhere, probably a little bit here and there, right. but you're saying that those pups are going to kind of disperse right? and look for a potential partner for, or start looking for a potential partner for the breeding season. Yes. And don't forget, there's no ab. When we say anything we say here on your podcast, there's generally <laughs> no absolutes. Things could always change for yes. variety factors you know like they oh the coyote always stops Absolutely. not not always but but generally speaking yeah the now don't forget Correct. only that pair is mating all those younger females they're not mating it's strange how nature works uh they're held off from yeah. I don't understand how it works but in, in research they don't mate but if that alpha female gets taken out all of a sudden those subordinate females will mate and then you end up with more litters so it's a, re, you know, certainly a, oh, a replacing, okay. replacing reproductive cycle for sure. Yeah. That's interesting because don't, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I've always thought of it as the, the male and the female, the alpha male, alpha female, they essentially spend like almost the entire year together. Right. They could, but you know something? I was attending a, a workshop there from our DEC and they were adamant saying these males were not monogamous, if you will. They'll, they'll breed with any female, yeah. but, they, but, but, but as a general sense, they would stay together. Yes. Okay. I gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, in, yeah. So they're basically just opportunistic. They'll, uh, they'll breed any female, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the only thing that I uh, will add to that is like, you know, I think a lot of people would look at February 15th, you know, like you said, and oh, okay, now it's February 14th. Sorry. Now they'll try to turn out the, the breeding sounds and whatever, because now they're breeding. Well, at least my experience with it is like come February 14th, sometimes the calling gets tough and you got to get close to them in order to get them to break and come in 
well, where I'm from, it's it's tough all the time. But uh, it's you know, I love it. People always say, "What sounds should I use?" What blah blah. For me, it it changes on a nightly basis. I have a game plan. I've got my my playbook, if you will, of what to do. It depends what the coyotes say. It depends how they vocalize what what I go into next. If they start barking, I do something different than if they howl. Uh, sometimes they'll come into the first three minutes of rabbit. You just never know. Uh, so that's why you should yeah. always have a bag of you know, some tricks up your sleeve because that's what it takes to get these Eastern coyotes. It's tough. Um, what's what's going on with the pressure and, and this and that. It, it's hard. It's definitely hard to be. Yeah. Cons- I th- we'll get, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm in the same boat. It's awfully difficult here. I mean, you, you'll, you're lucky to call one in uh, before it's dark out, you know, and even at night is getting harder and harder. Just there's so much pressure and so many people that are doing it, which is great, but it, it definitely may, has made it significantly more difficult, even just in my lifetime of coyote hunting. Wow. Uh, yeah. Big time. The, the pressure back in the day when I did this, of course, no, nobody was doing it. And now it's nothing to be out there. And here are some gray fox distressed well and away from two farms over. And it's like, oh, gee, you know, yep. he's who's over there and whatever, whatever the case may be. Uh, and then, of course, contests when contests got popular, a lot of guys got in just for the fun. And it's a great it's a fun thing. It's a great thing. You know, it's a great thing for the industry to have this boom in the sport. But individually, when you're sitting there and your productivity went from 70% and 60% down to 20%, you feel the effects. Yep, exactly. Yep, I totally agree with you. Uh, yeah, and another thing, too, that uh, I, I feel this all the time where I'm like, okay, I got a plan. This is what I'm going to do tonight or this afternoon. And then I get out there. And the, everything goes out the window as soon as something happens. And I think it's super important, uh, just like Andrew is saying, to kind of understand, you know, the phase that the coyotes might be in at that time. So you can, you know, know maybe what might work at that time. So you hear a coyote howling or barking or, you know, you see one out, you, you might have a plan of attack just based on what, you know, cycle they might be in at that time of the year. So. I think that's important for me anyways. Uh, uh, for sure. Have, obviously, have a plan. But here's another tip for folks at home. And I think it was Les Johnson who first penned the, the, the phrase, the three-stand rule. If you're doing something and it doesn't work after three stands, change it and do something else. That's a little guideline that folks yeah. may want. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. That's a good one. I probably need to get better at that too. Cause you know, I get into that. You get into that. I know this will work. I know this will work. And then, you know, you oh, start to get frustrated. Then you get, then you start doubting it. Well, maybe, maybe this doesn't work. Maybe somebody else called this. Maybe, you know, it, right. it well, goes. You're not, you're not on alone. On. That. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I've got a Fox sequence that I do that I'll use. Well, the heck the last four years, it was mint. All of a sudden one of the sounds stopped, stopped work producing this year. I, I replaced it. But if I do Fox, I'll stay the same. But when these coyotes come, and then it's time to, you got to trick them. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you definitely, uh, you definitely aren't going to, probably aren't going to get them on that sound again if you, if you don't get them. Well, <laughs> here's a sort of a neat story. Not too proud of it, but um, 
I was at a local spot down the road a couple weeks ago and I had a headshot on a coyote and I shot with my thermal and I thought I missed. I, I was howling. So the other day I, I did a nine minutes of Fox sounds, nothing did that howl again in girl fight. Here came the coyote and I shot it. When I went up to get it, it was the same coyote I thought I missed because they had, you see the bullet when I took the headshot was right over its eye. It just grazed it. It was the oh, same guy. No. He huh. came to the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was sort of neat. So he was twice. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe my eyes. <laughs> I've done that before. I, I shot, last year I shot a coyote and I had a runner using a 223. Was, I don't know how far. It wasn't even that far a shot. And then a month later I shot it and got him. I could see my, I, I took a bag. He was running away. I got him Texas heart shot. And he lived, and I shot him like I don't know a month later, and I could see the bullet hole in his back end. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. you just never know. It is, That's it's, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. happening. Yeah. So yeah, you don't yeah. you don't see those totally. rods, but uh, sometimes I am a two twenty three guy. I, I could you break out a two forty three, but at night, and I'm sort of suburban. Sometimes I try to tone it down a little. Of course, we can't use a a a, a break or a, a you know, can or anything up here to keep the sound down. So it's, oh. it's tough. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're limited here. Yeah. That, that's rough. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, uh, yeah, that, that is, that is rough. Uh, yeah. have, have you always used a 223 or have you bounced around it all over the years? Oh, I've used it all because of the rules. Ready? 22 oh, long yeah. run initially. Terrible. And then, uh, yep. Then we, due to our rules, 22 mag was the thing to, to use. And that was okay, but not, you know, you're undergunned. Let's, let's be honest. It's not mince words. You're undergunned. Yep. With a 20. Then 204, which I still have to use in some of our locations during deer season uh, to answer your question. So yep. yeah, range from, to range from a 22 to a, my 223 is my favorite, uh, 243, 22, 250. I've got, I've got an arsenal. But uh, but my go to is my two twenty three. Yep. Oh, still, yeah, I love it. What do you shoot for a bullet out of your two twenty three? Fifty five grain V Max. Yeah, works nice. out well. Yeah, and a forty yep. grain out yep. four. But I still that fifty five grain. In fact, I loaded my uh, twenty two two fifty up with fifty five grains also. Yep. Yeah, that's a tough one to beat. Yeah, if you hit them right. You know, them says shot placement, but you yeah, know, yeah, you hit them. They, they should now, sometimes I'll because I like my biggest thing now, ever since the thermal is filming. I enjoy catching them on, you know, capturing the hunts on film. And sometimes they will run like 30, 40, 50 yards before they fall over, but uh, it all works out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, what, what is like, what is the Obviously things have changed a lot in your predator hunting career, but I mean, what, is there anything that jumps off the page at you? Like, man, you know, I, this is way different than it used to be, or, um, I guess kind of just touch on what, you know, how much or what things have changed over the years and maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. Oh, yeah. Well, I could probably identify four major things. Number one, the thing that comes out to our minds is the advancements in gear. For Okay, don't forget. So if I started in 
85, you're talking, you know, almost 40 years now. So back in the day, now, of course, there was always the, the record players, but I didn't have that. Those Johnny Stewart record players, but it was a mouth call. Everyone just, or a hand call. Everyone had yep. a hand call and, and did that. And then if you advanced in the spend in the early nineties, the, the digital electronic calls came. I'll never forget. I bought my Fox where I was at Cabela's on a hunting trip in Nebraska. And I bought that thing and, and didn't look back, but the advancements in e-calls, because now look at my God attached, you know, a million sounds, attached decoys, remote control. It's, it's just wonderful. Yep. But now let's talk about yeah. for the night lights. The advancements in lights is insane. We used to carry those old $1 million ones from the auto stores that were terrible. 20 minutes light, you know, battery life. Now to these, you know, night LED lights and, and night vision setups and thermal setups. It's it's crazy. I mean, they brought that military grade thermals right to everybody's, you know, every, affordable to everybody almost. So it's that that's a right. to me advancements in gear is huge. I was we talked about pressure. Um, that's not a good thing, but just the fact that so many guys are hunting. I mean, you see it on Facebook. Ready? Uh, you're on a deer page. Oh, I'm getting all these coyotes on my. My tra- cameras, as soon as deer season ends, I'm going to go after them. Well, there you go. There's tons more yep. pressure for us in January. Um, a big thing, yep. I've been writing about this recently in some articles that are coming out. Um, the, cha- the, the evolution of calling strategies. I just did an article about MFK's Tory Cook and his pushes, ready? Less sounds. Excuse me, more sounds, less time. Play more sounds for yeah. shorter time periods to trigger fox and coyotes, predators, to respond. I think that's going to be the going to be the next biggest trend. Don't forget, back in the day, play a sound for five minutes, two minutes of silence, play another sound for five minutes. Well, now they're splitting that up into two and three minute intervals and sometimes less. So I think that's going to be a big push. Yeah. Uh, and the types of sounds, too, that's a change. Don't forget. Now, back in the day, it was all rabbit. Let's face it. All rabbit sounds. Then all of a sudden, some yep. oh, gee, we can howl to these coyotes. They'll come to the howl. So that's fun and exciting. Then all of a sudden, it was pup distress. Oh, pup distress really brings them in. And my story was neat. I did that by mistake in South Dakota. I pressed the wrong button on my Fox Pro. And then I was thinking, that's a funny sound. It was a pup distress, as it turned out. And coyotes were running in. So I learned that by mistake. And now the next thing is going to be fighting sounds. That's going to be on the horizon. It's happening oh. now. Fight sounds are going to be the, the next big thing here for the next couple of years. Guys are going to start their sequences. Right. With, it used to be the rule was finish with pups distress. Remember? Finish with Fox Pro's pup distress yep. number three. Now it's going to be start with pup distress. Yep. Start with fight sounds right off the bat. Start aggressive. Oh. So, yeah. So you'll, there's going to be yeah. all sorts of. That's Crazy. funny. Uh, that that pup distress number three from Fox Pro has caught lost a lot of lives over the years. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a good one. Yep. And I can't remember who it was, but uh, somebody said, somebody said, I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't finish their sequence by playing pup distress number three. I it was a Fox Pro guy. I wish I could quote him uh by name, but I yeah. but it, I'd never forget that. And uh, it, it's true, it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, what, what I think is funny, like that I've noticed, like in the last five years is like, I would say five years ago, I was like, you know, they rarely come into rabbit. I would, you know, if I see a coyote, 
I'm not going to go to a rabbit. You know, I, I basically would, you know, I would say rabbit was low on my list of sounds that I would play, you know, just a rabbit distress, just a general rabbit distress sound. I'm, you know, no particular one, but, and then like over the past two years, it's almost like it's gotten more effective again because not as many people are even using them. You know, people are just using their howls and fight sounds and, you know, pup distress. And I have noticed, and at least in my experience where I'm at in Wisconsin here, it's, it's almost like that rabbit uh, distress sound has gotten more effective again. It's funny how it goes in waves. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I always notice this. I don't know if you see if you can relate to this when you're out there calling for whatever uh, and a coyote comes in, it almost seems like it's too easy when you, because we kill ourselves to get them half the time, but also when you do, it's yeah. like, oh, that happen all the time. You know, it's just, it's crazy right. to me. Go out there and put on baby cottontail, or like you say, any rabbit, and here they come. And other day, other nights or days, you're killing yourself with a, a, a wide variety of sequences and you see nothing. So it just it just gets me when that yeah. happens. Oh yeah, uh, probably probably yeah. in the things rabbits killed more coyotes than anything, obviously. But yeah, but totally. It's fun. The experiment, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh where all have you traveled and hunted, and do you have a favorite place to travel outside of your home state and hunt? Yeah, well, I've hunted coyotes in Florida, in Wyoming. South Dakota, Colorado, uh, once in Ohio. My favorite would be South Dakota. I just like that landscape for for uh, many reasons. That area, the whole rapid city and wall and badlands and all that. I do a lot. I've got a friend on yeah. uh, the Rosebud Indian Reservation, so I'm, we'll go out there for whitetail. We go out for turkey and, and of course coyotes. So that that's my favorite area. That whole. South Dakota. If I had to pick a spot, I love that area. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's a, that's big country for a guy that's probably used to seeing, you know, small little small egg fields and, and blocks of timber. Well, that's the neat part. Yeah. It's a new, it's a new world yeah. when you're, out. uh, when I did a Wyoming, well, a few times, but it, that was real. The last time it was just real flat. I could hardly find any structure. But uh, that was good too. But there's the river bottoms, like the White River area there in South Dakota. That that's awesome. It's just it's great. And there's yeah. a lot more. And, and out there, see the day hunting is way easier. Back in New York, you're killing yourself. Yeah. You know. Well, I I do. I, yeah. I should. There's guys who have great success, uh, especially in the northern part of the state. And of course, we're not even day hunting here at all because it's still deer season. So I won't even right. deer hunt. So you January. can't. You can't day hunt. Well, you could, but guys are hunting deer and, you know, you don't want to be on a lease, yeah. perhaps. Somebody's out in deer, I don't want to be howling, yep. and getting them upset. So it's a really, uh, it's a courtesy thing, sort of. Yeah. <clears throat> in this area. Yeah. Yep. I hope. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you do any deer hunting too? Oh, every day. <laughs> I'm going today at two o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. It's been slow. Perfect. I got an eight pointer with the bow, but my gun seasons, it's sad and embarrassing. <laughs> this is terrible, but I'll, I'll rebound. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I hunt I um, like squirrels. I, I hunt crow, squirrel, everything but ducks, you know, just for, I don't, and I don't want to be around the water when it's cold because I'm on the water all summer, I guess, boating. So I just, but I, yeah. I hunt thing and my wife's awesome because she's a saint and never complains because I'll hunt 
see in the winter. I hunt every single day. From now till May, I'll hunt every day. Yeah. Unless a snowstorm. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, that That's awesome. Can't complain about that. No, no. <laughs> I don't. If you, uh, if you had to, when you, when you hunt, so you hunt every day and whatever, hunt a lot during the winter, do you have like a general rule of how often you'll hit spots or, or you just kind of wing that's it and a, hit them well, as a go? That's a great question. And, and online, that's a common question. And the answers are all across the board. There's people out there who say, well, I will only hunt the spot once a season. And I'm thinking, holy mackerel, ready for this? I'll go to my farm, some of them, every single night. I don't rest them at all because I, yep. my model, I hunt in the weather, in the wind is correct. If I don't see anything, that just tells me that at that time, there was no fox or coyote there in that 15 or 20 minutes I happened to be there. In my mind, that's what I tell myself. And if that's at seven o'clock at night, I'll go back at midnight and maybe pick one up. Yeah. But I don't worry about now if I botch it and see one or shoot or miss or something, then obviously you've made a mistake. But people say, how long to wait after you miss? People, oh, a month, an hour. I go right back. My model yeah. is get them in the area, give them a different sound, give them a different setup. Um, I do it a little different. Now, I don't have a lot that's crazy because I get some pretty good numbers, but I don't have a lot of spots. As I mentioned, I, around my house here, maybe seven or eight spots. And then if I travel to my cottage, another 10 or 12 spots, but that's not a lot. I know people have hundreds of locations and I just yep. been lazy towards it. I just, I'm, I'm content my style of hunting. I can be successful. My motto is if I get one or two a night, I'm happy, you know? And uh, it's funny because yeah. hey, if you got a, a three dog night of any combination, red, gray, coyote, whatever, three dog night was a benchmark of awesomeness. Well, now that's nor- almost normal to get three. You know, so yeah, uh, with good weather, you know, it, where we are, so we yeah. have snow, snow that blows. Half the time, you can't get out. You can't even hunt here near where I am, upstate New York, here by the lakes. Uh, last yeah. year was a really, really, really mild winter. It was a green light to hunt, so so I did. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Do you? Yeah. Uh, one question that I get all the time is what I'm curious to pick your brain on. Uh, just because I like to hear what differences of opinions people have, but one of the, one of my favorite questions is, okay, you are on stand, the coyotes, uh, howled back at you or the coyotes started howling. Um, now what, like, what am I going to do now? That's probably the Eastern or Midwestern or probably any countrywide at this point, the toughest scenario for coyotes they're howling at you they don't present yep. themselves for a shot they won't come out of the wood line they're over the hill blah 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 what do you do that's the trickiest situation to be at and there's different things you can do uh the old adage used to be mimic what you hear for a howl and see what happens yep. uh, i've gone some different routes with that and again it's because of all the new sounds that have come out here in the last couple of years but Four or five years ago, I would howl once and sort of wait. Now, waiting in the dark is awful. It's just boring. Um, yeah. A minute seems like an eternity. So if you're waiting three to five minutes, yep. it feels like they're an hour. What I started to do last year, last couple of years, when they howled, I didn't howl back. 
And I never ch- challenged Howell back to him just because in my experience, it didn't work. I had conversations with coyotes that could last up to 45 minutes, but they didn't end up in a shot with a shot. Now, is that fun? Yes. Is that a cool experience? Yes. But it was unproductive at the end. So I sort of shied away from that. So I started going to barks. And again, I got a five or six or seven different barking sounds that I can play. Uh, bark at them, use silence, use patience. And that was pretty good uh, the last couple of seasons. Again, I don't really howl too much at them. And I go that route. This year, <laughs> I've been playing Girl Fight from MFK. And that was, they've been breaking to that yep. so far. Early. That could change in a month. It could change in two weeks. But when in doubt, I've been yeah. doing that. Let me think for the for you and for the folks. Another, oh gosh, a prairie dog distress is a unique sound that it, it yep. sounds like a rodent, but it also sounds like maybe a, a coyote's getting after him. I'll play that to to pique their yeah. interest, try to break them. But what you're talking about, that those trash talking coyotes, if you will, that's a tough scenario. It's real tough. But when you get one, and if it works, then that's a totally rewarding hunt and it's great you know feel a great sense of satisfaction if you can break them yeah yep yep and the 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 worst part or not the worst part but the frustrating part for what i think a lot of guys will have happen is they will do one thing one time and it'll work and they'll do the same thing the next time at a different spot in the same situation and it won't work and then people say well what why didn't that work that time well the best answer i have is you know, I don't know because at, I can't figure it out either. And I think if a guy could figure out why, why something works one time versus the next, I think, uh, he, he would probably be teaching us all a few things, but you know, I just don't think there's one cut and dried answer or thing that you can do. That's going to solve all situations. Right. Now you hit that on the head because they're coyotes being coyotes. Like I mentioned earlier, sometimes they'll come right to the rabbit. So if those things are, are howling in the woods, and this happened earlier in the season, they were, to me, they were right there. And I gave them what I thought was good. Well, they didn't show up. The wind is right. How do they not come? I say to myself, right? What's going on here? Yeah. But now there are some things you can do beyond the sounds. You can cut the distance closer to them because distance yep. would be another trigger. If you feel, if you feel like you can get away with that motion, there are some, you know, get close. The textbook answer would be get closer to their territorial line. Maybe that woods, they won't come out because that's not part of their territory. So get close, get within gun range. So if they do pop out to the edge, you can shoot them. I mean, that's a valid tactic too, uh, depending on how far you want to walk. Yeah. But, but like you said, it doesn't work all the time in my experience. And whoever does come up with something that works every time, will be a, a popular person. I won't say rich because you can, I don't know. You, yeah, get, a, totally get a hold of me and you first. Yeah, I know. So we can promote it. So yeah, because yeah. I thought in the early, I thought I did have some silver bullet sounds to be honest with you. Uh, for a while, that Fox Pro's a submissive female was, was yeah. bringing, but it, not all the time. It's again, few absolutes. And I think that's probably the fun part. Now it is totally frustrating. Like you said, and like I said, when you when yeah, you know yeah. they're within 300 yards and they don't show up, it's like, what gives? But, I mean, that's that's the game. Again, coyotes being coyotes. And it happens to everybody. It happens yeah. to the 
professionals out there, you hear them talking about it. Al Morris, and it happens to everybody. So don't get mad at the Coyotes. Don't get mad yep. at the sport. Just keep trying. Yep. Totally agree. Uh, you did touch on something there, though, too, that I want to quick ask about. Um, and I, I forget about this one a lot, but it, this will be interesting to hear your take on. Um, I have always heard that Coyotes will have, like, this is their territory. Here's the line. And, you know, I'm sure in cases they'll cross it, but in, in theory, they, it may be a fence line. It may be whatever they, that's, that's the edge of their territory. They don't particularly like to cross it or they may not cross it. Well, for a variety of reasons, they'll cross it and depend. Now don't forget if that's a, again, if you got your man, we'll come back to that alpha pair so if they're in an area and let's like take a fictional uh line okay territorial line and it's sort of neat you'll see the scratch marks i caught on to this late it's almost like a small uh scrape that a deer would make but it's actually done by coyotes yeah. and you can see them it's sort of cool uh, in the grass you'll see a pawed away but they oh they're they cross those lines all the time don't forget we've got these rogue coyotes the ones that are looking for new territory and they cross them all the time and that's where you can have you'll have success on those lines so i i think the whole territorial line issue is a way to rationalize those coyotes not coming because for a variety of reasons they'll definitely yep. they'll they'll move for sure for whatever reason but our job is just to, to be there when they do yeah totally yeah, I've never I've never noticed it in my uh, experience, but I usually just like to think of it like turkeys like, well, he just doesn't want to cross that fence or doesn't want to cross that creek or, you know, whatever it is, but if he wanted to, he would. Yeah, exactly. If there again, and that same Kyle could do that to you two or three nights in a row. And then on another night, boom, you maybe catch him in that field prior or, or he will come across. So it's just a matter of Yeah. It's when you get personal with these coyotes too. So that happens to me in my local spots, yeah. first name basis for some of these. And it's fun to challenge them and get them you know, after a while. Yeah. Yeah. You can probably say, I know which one they are uh, that by their howl or whatever. Oh yeah. oh yeah. I'm dealing with that. I deal with that every year. I have one. I can't think of one right now because um, this one that I got the other day was howling at me a certain way. And of course he's no longer around to do that, but but it's fun. That's another thing. I can't do that with Fox. Fox, I can't tell. But some, if you get a coyote, uh, actually, I do have one up to my cottage. I got to work on him. I'm going up there tomorrow. We'll see what happens. So you never know. If you, if you there you go. Yep. It's fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any other hot tips for anybody listening? But I'm, I think that uh, you've given out some really good ones so far. Yeah, well, I would say. I, well, for coyote specific, I would say that one thing we didn't touch upon at all here was time of day because people want to know what the best time of night is. And my answer sort of shifted on that. Yep. But if I could, because it used to be pretend you're deer hunting, you got to quit, you know, because obviously it gets dark and you go home and eat dinner. My favorite time yep. was the first hour of light when you didn't have to go home, you know, Bruce, maybe swap gear or break out a thermal. Back in the day, it was lights. And then hunt that first hour of darkness was great, but that has changed. And that's changed because these coyotes are adapting to the human traffic and whatnot. If I could only hunt one yeah. hour a day, it would definitely be 
1130 at night to 1230. And I always, to this moment, interesting, my best spot at midnight, not quarter of, not quarter after, be at your best spot set up <laughs> midnight for sure. And it, yeah, it, that works out really well. Um, and of course, depending on your schedule, back when I was working, I was a teacher for 30 years. I would try to be home by two o'clock. That was my benchmark. And I reckoned it to being in a bar. Back in the day when you're a young buck, you're at the bars till two, then get up and go to work. Yep. Not hunting, except now, obviously, there's no drinking or alcohol involved. You're just tired. So I would try to be home at two o'clock and yep. function fine. Uh, now that I'm retired, I still yeah. try to go all night and it's not a contest. I usually quit by two or three. Just, uh, but that, that early shift can be good or go to bed and get up at three o'clock and hunt till, till daybreak. That's another great time shift to yeah. be out there productive. Yeah, I do that a lot. That's what, that's kind of, if I had to pick, or I guess I shouldn't say I had to pick, it's just what works for me and my family and everything is just, you know, get up at two, three in the morning and hunt till daybreak. And I also think that part of that here is like, no, I mean, almost nobody is hunting at that time of day. Like it's, it's normally, you know, you hear everybody will go out from, you know, dark until, you know, midnight, two o'clock. But I mean, even you hear guys that will go till four or something on a good night, but I mean, there's, there's just very, very, very few people that are even hunting at that time. So I think that that's also a big part of it for me anyways. Yeah. If you do that, you're hardcore, by the way, you've heard hardcore status. If you go to bed and wake <laughs> up and yeah, seriously, I mean, props to you. I haven't actually done that in a while. Um, because I, now, now I can do any, you know, anything you want, but that, <laughs> that's tricky and, and good. Good for you. That I've done in the past, but now, like I say, I just sort of go till two and, and quit. Now contest season's rolling up on here. Now, I don't know if you know, they're trying to make those contests illegal here in New York. It didn't happen for this year, but uh, yeah, pretty soon there won't be any contests, which will be sad for a lot of guys. Yeah. A, a, a neat thing. So to have them, it was yeah. fun. How does your strategy change when you're contest hunting versus not? Do you have a different strategy at all? Or is it just hunting just like any other night and you're just the only difference is you're seeing how many you can shoot? Well, actually, what I well, I would do is make sure that my my loop, if you will, my travel loop is all pre-planned. So I'm uh, you know, line up all the farms. Yeah. Uh and I would keep the I would keep my my setups shorter, like no more than 12 minutes. Uh, and we target a lot of Fox here to tell you the truth. So within 10 minutes, yep. if I don't see Fox, I know something's up. And then I would go like five minutes of some vocalizations for coyotes. But, but I would say just be pre- prepared for all night. And then do that. See, I usually hunt by myself like all the time, except for if it's a contest. Yep. So, but uh, loop those spots no phase out spots have been unproductive. Okay. Only hit your best spots on, especially on the first night. And then on the second night, maybe, maybe go some alternate spots. Here's a little funny thing. And I, a phenomenon that's going on right now for me, all my best spots from last year, because I had got a lot last year, as I mentioned, the weather was good. So I got a lot of critters, all those quote unquote, yeah. hot spots, my best spots have hardly produced a predator this year. And it's not that I've shot them all because I didn't because it's impossible to do that. It's right. just so strange. Yep. I, can't, I can't figure it out yet. 
Now, I picked up the red fox from last night at one of those spots where I hadn't seen anything. I've been there four times. I finally got a red fox. But my favorite spots of all time for the past 30 years so far have been dry. But that might switch. I'm going to tell myself that's going to switch after deer season here. Now, come January, <laughs> I'm looking for yeah. a change. But, uh, yeah, it's just funny. It's just weird. It's just like how sometimes sounds yeah. stop working for you. There's some sounds, I won't say them by name, yep. that you be gold. And I haven't played those in years. I don't know yep. if I lost confidence in them. Or I don't yep. know, what the, but it just gets me. I want to do an article when good sounds go bad or something. Just, just it's just a strange. There's phenomena, yeah. and, and there should be in our sport because if there isn't, it'd be mundane and boring. Just like you mentioned those those howling coyotes. Well, if they came every single time, you know, obviously it'd be awesome. But now it's a it's the big question and how we who's going to figure it out? How are we going to break them? That's the fun part of it. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Uh, one of the last questions for you I have is, uh, what do you, what have you settled on for a thermal scope now? Well, what I've settled on and what I desire is two different things. When they first came out, and I don't forget, now I was a, a school teacher with two kids in college and this and that, so I was always very budget minded. So what I bought at the yep. time Pulsar, I always looked the liked the appearance of the thermal scopes that look like a traditional rifle scope. I just aesthetically, that's what I like. Yep. So I bought the XQ Thermion. I like that Thermion line. I bought the XQ 38 yep. was the most affordable, the bottom of the line, if you will, whatever at the time. And I'm still using yep. that. I was sure I'd love to have a 640 process. It's a 384. I, I'd love to get a 641 and yeah. up my game. But my financial situation, sadly, is that I, I can't do that. I, those AGMs, those AGM adders, they appeal to me. So yep. those, I, it's so bad that I don't even read up on the, the brands anymore because I know I can't make yeah. the jump uh, this year. Yeah. I, I thought I was good. But yeah, no, but, totally. Yeah, that Pulsar has been great uh, for me. It's fun. It's fun to record. I like everything about it. I like the whole thermal thing. Yes, if you're new to this and you're just hearing this, yeah. maybe there is a huge learning curve shooting with a thermal. Versus, and I still say there's nothing like a good piece yeah. of electric regular scope, but thermal makes it fun and, and you will yeah. kill them. Just you will because they don't detect you as well. There's not as much to alert them. Uh, one more thing here, real yeah. quick. You talked about equipment for the guys using the uh, night vision with their illuminators. And this is a debate you hear online, but for, with my experience, I'll just say that be careful of your illuminator that you buy. Because they vary, and a nine forty illuminator versus an eight fifty, a, a nine fifty will uh, alert them less. Now they don't see the beam; they don't see the IR beam being cast out there, but they see the glow of the bulb. And I've had horror stories when I turned on that yeah. light and it was locked up uh, to an eight fifty. Not all of them <laughs> by brands. I don't want to get into that. But in case you're just new to this. Do your research first and talk to some folks because, gee, I thought they weren't going to notice me or yeah. see me. They see you. <laughs> they, they will see you. So just be, be that's a little caveat. It's not right. talked about. No, your uh, lights are illegal here. Well, I shouldn't say oh, they're really? illegal. They, you can only use them at the point of kill. So like you can turn it on and you can shoot and that's it. So, which is if you're using a thermal scanner or something, that's great. But. Or it works oh. fine, but you just can't scan with your light. 
So well, that's better. lights are not really totally a thing here. Really? I don't, I guess I don't know anybody that uses one, but why would you wait a minute? Can you, you can shoot with a thermal at night? Yeah. Yep. Yep. You can, shoot. Oh. you can shoot with a the thermal. So, and you can shoot with night vision, right? Yep. But you can't yep. use a light that you don't want to anyhow. I will say this. Yeah. Lights are awesome for Red Fox. They, they don't spin them smooth. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like seeing a Red Fox in a red light to see the eyes come bouncing across the field. That's still awesome. But but then your, your yeah. situation, but that law almost works in your benefit. You know what it is? It's not even for the yeah, hunting. it does. For people on the road, we used to get yelled at all the time using our red lights in the side of the road. You know, we, <laughs> were, we were in the field. People drive by and say, you leave those deer alone or whatever. They think you're jacking deer, but you're really out there. Right. The so, right. that, so being with night yep. vision or thermal lets you be way more stealth, not only for the animals, but for passersby and nosy people. You just It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Uh all right, Andrew. I'll uh start to wrap this up here and let you get back to your day and get out deer hunting. Maybe the luck's gonna change today. I, I, but um before, might change it up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before you go, uh tell people where to find your books, where's the best place to buy them, um, oh. and where they can find you. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, the best place and easiest place these days seems to be Amazon.com. All the titles are on there. And if people are debating which one to get, I can lead you. I can tell you the bestseller is that Predator Hunters Playbook. It's all about sound sequences. That's a great one. And then I would say the Eastern Coyote Challenge is another great one. Well, that's probably the number two seller. It is. And then that Bring on the Night. There's about night hunting is great. I just did the day hunting one, and that's been very well received. <clears throat> They're moderately priced, yeah. so if you're not breaking the bank on any of these. And my motto with anything I read, because I like to read everybody's stuff, if you pick up one or two, two things out of an article or a book or whatever for the 10 or 12 bucks, and you get a coyote from that, phew, money well spent. So, and, and like yeah. I said, the totally biology, agree. yeah, there's, there's no doubt. You know, get something new. That's what it's all about. It's all about staying eclectic in your approach to trick these coyotes. Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, do some different stuff to try it and then form your own from that. I've got the sequences in that playbook and I mentioned this in the text, but tweak it based on your own experiences out there. Use it as a framework, but don't be scared to tweak it. Heck I, my number one sequence I had to tweak this year based on field experience. So, but yeah. So yeah, Amazon. Yeah. Moderately priced, absolutely. They're well received. Thank goodness, and I thank everybody for that. And it's been fun. It's been a it's been a good thing. Yeah, I'll put a link in the description below so people can find those books and uh, hopefully get them coming to their door. It'll oh, be a good time good. for a Christmas present. Absolutely, stocking stuffer. <laughs> exactly. All right, Andrew, I really appreciate your time. And uh, this is an awesome episode. So I'm excited to uh, give this one out to the listeners. And hopefully you uh, keep on, uh, on on the hot streak this fall. And maybe your whitetail uh, gun season will spin around for you. Well, you know, if it does, great. If not, then there's always the next predator. Hunt. But thanks for having me on. <laughs> this was a bunch of fun. I'll be looking for you online. I think All right. Facebook, so that'll be fun.
All right. Sounds good, Andrew. Thank you. My pleasure. Big shout out to Andrew for joining me here on the Predator Podcast. I will put links below so you guys can find Andrew's books on Amazon and get yourself uh, his books. And I'll put his information below. You can find his YouTube channel and keep up with him. He, Like I said, he's a wealth of knowledge, as you could tell from this podcast. And I'm sure there's plenty more you can learn from him other than just this one hour here. So if you guys want to support me, check out Dark Knight Outdoors. Go to the description below find my discount codes that you can save a little money on thermal optics and accessories you'll be glad you did and as always find me on instagram predator podcast underscore drew message me and follow along with my uh, adventures here this winter i'll do my best to keep it updated and i usually am pretty responsive to messages so uh shoot me a message give me a follow and keep in touch with me there we will be back next week with another episode of the predator podcast but until then shoot straight